Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Unscrewed, the show that knows that real liberation includes sexual liberation. I am your host, Jacqueline Friedman, and this week on Unscrewed, we're gonna we're gonna go somewhere I've been wanting to go for a while. I have to be honest with you, listeners, I'm really tired of like very serious political topics. We've been talking about them a lot this season, and I couldn't bear to do another show on them. And so I thought again, because I an article came by me, and I thought again about a show that I wanted to do last year when uh, Catherine Cross published this fascinating piece about robot sex. So we're going to talk about robot sex today, y'all. It's going to be a good time and also kind of really interesting. So for those of you who don't know, Catherine Cross is a widely published social critic and a PhD student at the School of Information Studies at the University of Washington. And just an all-around brilliant gal. Catherine, welcome to Unscrewed. It's so great to be here, Jacqueline. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I can't believe I've never had you on before. I'm making up for lost time. So we're going (laughs) to talk all about boning robots very soon. But before that, I put all my guests through a little lightning round of questions so we can get to know you. So the first question is, what's been making you happy this week? Um, Actually, I'll be straight up. What's been making me happy this week is the election. It feels like it's the results, which were already good the night of, are ripening. Uh, we are looking set to have an amazing senator from Arizona yes! very shortly. The first openly bisexual senator in United States history. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's so many other, so many other great and small things up and down the line uh, that I think uh, have given me cause for hope. Me too. I've been enjoying your posts and writing about this on Facebook, and I know you wrote about it for the establishment after the election. We did fucking awesome. Yeah. What is the best sex advice you ever received? Oh, I think that the most important lesson I ever learned was that orgasms should not be thought of as the telos of sex, that there's so much more to the journey and to the experience. And once that clicked for me, everything was so much better. Yes. It was like putting on glasses for the first time, right? Everything was clearer, sharper, brighter, more colorful. And sex just got so much better for me once I realized that. Yay. That's great advice. What has been making you maddest or saddest about the sexual culture lately? What's been making me most annoyed lately is the fact that uh, people still don't seem to fully understand uh, what BDSM involves 
and why it's not terrible. Are you, did something happen that's making you feel that way? Uh, nothing specific in the news, but more just uh, conversations that come across my, my dashboard. You know, still seeing a lot of misunderstanding out there of kink. Um, and that can be frustrating to see. Yeah, absolutely. And then lastly, who is one of the bravest people that you can think of who's working to unscrew the sexual culture in one way or another? Who do you want to give a shout out to? I would give a perennial shout out to Melissa Gira Grant, whose work has always been so essential in talking about sex work and the many intersecting labor issues and civil rights issues involved in it. I think that as a both a critic and a journalist, her work remains peerless and essential. Yes, excellent. And uh, not the first time someone has given her a shout out on this show. She is definitely a fave. All right, you survived the lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about robots and boning. So you wrote a really beautiful and thoughtful piece about this last year, I believe for the establishment, and we'll link to that in the show notes. And I wonder if you want to start there, like what precipitated writing that piece and and give people a sense of, of, of where you come at this subject. So I've written a lot of different pieces about this particular topic everywhere from the establishment to Jacobin to Flash Art, the art magazine. And what started me on it was actually uh, my examination of critical gender issues in technology because, and I'm certainly not the only person to ask this, but like why are so many digital assistants, uh, GPS voices, et cetera, feminine? Yep. Right. And why is it that so many artificial intelligences in movies of varying quality are often portrayed as feminine and or women? So I began pursuing that question, I think, because at the time there was a news hook about Cortana oh, and uh -huh. about how there had been some backlash to Microsoft when an engineering team led by women had pushed some changes to Cortana that actually allowed her to push back against harassing comments. And... Some people were very vocally upset, as you might imagine. Some very uh, colorful gentlemen on Reddit were like, the whole purpose of this bitch is to do what I tell her to do. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's, it is extremely revealing. Right? And that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's so hilarious. And yet also what I love about it is that it, brings out something to the surface in yes. a way that, you know, uh, women's agency always does. But in this way that is so fascinating because it's coming from, you know, a woman who isn't even real, but the fact that there would even be this sort of simulated agency or pushback <laughs> makes me so angry. Well, I think because they don't feel required to even pretend they think that this is a human. I think it, it allows that attitude to come out more purely, right? Like, mm -hmm. right. The whole point of this is that I don't have to recognize her humanity. It's such yep. a fucking chore when I deal with actual women. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that is it exactly. And the point I came to in a lot of my writing is that it reveals an interesting intersection between popular conceptions of the ideal woman and the ideal worker. So 
expectations for compliance and for obedience overlap at that point where you expect someone who is uh, supposedly working for you, particularly in a customer service role, to be endlessly ingratiating and obedient, which overlaps with expectations for uh, emphasized femininity in society, where women vis-a-vis men are expected to be compliant, obedient, ingratiating and all the rest of it, flattering and never expressing any agency that would dare get in the way of the man's agency. <laughs> and so the, the, what, the expectations that we place on artificial intelligence popularly, I think, reveal those expectations more broadly as they are applied to real people, both real women and real workers. And when you look at like the, the sexual harassment that's endemic in the restaurant industry, you see why that intersection matters. Right. Well, and now there are in Europe a few instances of sex robot brothels, which seems to be the culmination of all of those conversations. Mm-hmm. Which I, you know, I have to say, I'm so tangled up about how to feel about this because there's part of me that feels like if this is what you want, this is how you want to interact with women, like, I would rather you do it to a robot. But then I also see what most of your arguments were, are about, which is that it raises the bar for expectations of actual human women's obedience and subservience. So I go back and forth between like, oh, good, now they won't bother <laughs> us, right? Like, And yes. maybe this is actually going to make shit worse for us. Oh, yeah. Now, I've been retweeting all of the usual jokes of like, no, stop, come back. Right? Yes, exactly. To, like all the to... MRAs who are like, mm-hmm. once the sex robots are good enough, we won't interact with you at all. And I'm always like, that sounds lovely. <laughs> like, what, what makes you think that sounds like a threat to me? Yeah, exactly. And so like, that's always fun to joke around about and play with. Certainly. But, you know, the point that I've often made in more serious discussions is that there is always something leaky about any cultural entity that socializes people. So if something looks human, it will teach you something, regardless of whether or not it's accurate, about human interaction. That's how media affects us throughout our lives, right? Shapes our vision of the world and what it looks like, even uh, subconsciously. And there's something to be said for the fact that, you know, if you have men constantly interacting with perfectly compliant sex bots, that that is going to subconsciously reinforce the desire for them to get that from other women in their lives, because they're not going to go to some robot sex island and separate themselves from society. They're not? Right. I know, it's tragic. (laughs) Alas. That seems like the solution to all of these things. Yeah, you know, one of those, like, libertarian sea org <laughs> <Yes>. projects <laughs> All right, they, they can they can have the abandoned oil rig and do it there um, yes. but <laughs> we could all start a crowdfunder why don't you all just go live on robot sex island um and leave us the fuck alone but realistically that's not so what then i mean i i think that part of also what i grapple with is not trying to yuck someone's yum and the extent to which sex dolls and therefore sex robots are an extension of sex toys, right? And I don't ever want to say, well, this thing that helps you experience pleasure is inherently bad. 
I don't think sex robots have to be inherently bad, but something about the way that they're being done is bad. But they're here, right? Like they're here and they're mm-hmm. only going to get creepier and better. Better meaning closer to acting like a real human. Is there anything to be done or do we just have conversations about it and wring our hands? I mean, I don't I don't know as having conversations necessarily always has to end in hand wringing. I don't think that there's any cause for like regulation or anything like that, or certainly not even necessarily social shaming, because, yes, you don't want to yuck someone's yum. And I think that there's uh, there's a lot of robot fetishism out there. And that's great if that fulfills that particular need for you and you have the resources to you know, acquire that. Fine. Uh, I think that it's always worth asking critical questions about our interactions with media or with technology. Just like, you know, not every porn video necessarily has the nicest, fluffiest things to say about sex and sexuality, but I certainly don't call for any kind of undue regulation of those videos, right? I I think that it's worth having conversations openly instead of locking everything away behind shame and prudery, which is part of why I appreciate this program. There can be open discussions about these things that don't begin from the premise of, well, sex is shameful and bad in all circumstances, right? I think that In the end, as this sort of thing becomes more popular, it is going to be interpreted in a variety of different ways, right? So at the moment, a lot of what's driving the demand is this notion of, well, men want the perfect partner who won't say no. And there's a lot that's very unsettling about all of that. But that is also already latent in Siri, in Alexa, in all of these things that are far more commonplace Right. Mm-hmm. And it's already embedded in the culture and the source is there. It's not any specific manifestation of the technology. We can certainly make tweaks to the technology or we can rebuild it wholesale. But the sickness always starts in patriarchal culture itself. So in some ways, like this gets the, the wrong end of the sex robot, so to speak. So I think the porn analogy is really good. What I like to do in terms of the porn conversation is talk about what kinds of porn we would like to see more of in the world. So instead of saying this is bad and we should get rid of it, which does get to regulation and censorship, which just gets us in a bunch of ethical hot water and I don't think goes anywhere good. You know, I like to sort of say, well, how could we shift the industry and the culture to produce porn that was more supportive of people's general humanity, right? Um, And to more of of the porn that was supportive to people's general humanity. So what does that look like for sex robots? What would a really awesome sex robot be like? That's a very good question. You'd think I would have thought about this particular aspect (laughs) of it more. Um, I think that there's any number of directions that one could go with the technology, right? With uh, different body types, or focused on different body parts, sex robots that had interesting or witty dialogue that were less about compliance and more centered on engagement, mm. right? And you know, this is getting a bit pie in the sky, but we are starting to make a few breakthroughs in things like natural language processing, right? And although it's probably still years off from a point where you could actually have something approximating a normal conversation with a computer, I think that we are getting there. And if you combine that kind of technology with a sex robot, 
you actually have a way of safely experimenting with different models of consent in a way that you know will not actually harm another person but allows you to experience pleasure and then play around with the sort of interplay between your pleasure and that of your partners how do you talk about things in a sexy way to achieve both uh, mutual enjoyment and consent I think that there's a lot of different directions you could go as these types of uh, ancillary technologies that could be integrated into sex robots start to improve, right? So sex robots could even be really great sex ed teachers in some hands-on way. Yes, I think so. They're ideal in many ways for that purpose, right? And I think that a lot of people might find it quite engaging as the technology improves. I kind of love that idea because those first sexual experiences are kind of terrifying, right? And you're almost inherently self-focused because you're so nervous about what you're doing that it's hard to have a lot of bandwidth for your partner, you know, almost inherently. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of having basically like a virtual trial run, right? <laughs> to have those those first fumbling experiences so that you really can focus on a simulation of what it will be like with a person so that by the time you're actually having partnered sex with another human or even a partnered sexual interaction, right? Like that you've maybe got some of those nerves out and gotten a little feedback. Yes, indeed. And also that that might also be an interesting tool in threesomes or group sex as well, honestly, uh, for enhancing certain dimensions of role play, right? So, you know, there's, there's all sorts of interesting directions that it could be taken. And also, you know, a way for experimenting with rougher kinds of play, right? Yeah. How, so how, for example, do you do a non-con scene consensually, right? And do it in a way that's affirming. Right. And so, maybe you can't find the exact right partner for the exact kind of non-con scene you want. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that can be hard to come by. There's shame on all sides of that particular equation, right? And right. so, you know, that's one sex robots provide one avenue for dealing with that. So I think that there's all sorts of interesting and unique ways that it could be explored as the technology proliferates. Because what's, as I said, what was driving innovation now is uh, not terribly exciting. It is what it is. But as the tech proliferates, right, you know, and becomes cheaper and becomes more open source, you might start to see sex robots become as common as vibrators, in some regards. That's so interesting to me because it ultimately is the same issue as Siri and Alexa and sort of every other Silicon Valley issue, which is the problem right now, is that it involves an enormous amount of capital and the straight white dudes have the capital and that's whose imaginations are getting played out on these sex robots. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's that's basically what we're saying is like the reason sex robots are so sucky right now in terms of their monolithic and lack of imagination about who women are and what sex can be is just because they're really expensive to produce. And the people who have the capital to do it are the same bros that are doing everything else. Yes. And catering to a very narrow vision of fantasy and what this type of uh, robot, what need it might fulfill. 
imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. I think also there's an interesting labor issue there because you were talking about the brothels in Europe, right? Men who patronize sex workers, some of them can obviously be just as grotesque and sexist and entitled as men dealing with, say, waitresses or flight attendants, right, and have certain expectations Mm -hmm. and be very uh, unhappy. Many sex workers will tell you, right, that there are men who try to, like, privately organize in ways that curb the rights of sex workers to screen their clients and to get information about their clients, right? They don't want to be judged by a sex worker with agency or who has power to decide the terms and conditions of a particular assignment, right? So you could say that there's a certain labor issue raised here where, well, the robot won't say no, won't shame me, won't reject me, won't blacklist me from this given brothel or community. Uh, And that is also part of what's being served here, I would suspect, which I, I don't have an easy solution to that, but I think it's a notable sociological dynamic at play here. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty grotesque, I think is the right word, when you feel like sex workers have too much agency for you to deal with. That's not a deep analysis, but it just seemed to me. And it also seems to me tied into many other labor issues just having to do with increasing automation taking jobs. You know, it's so it's both encouraging clients who already are on the edge of not wanting to interact with sex workers with agency to have even less patience for sex workers being humans, but also sex workers just losing jobs mm-hmm. to automation, which is a, a whole... I guess it's not an other conversation, but it's certainly a conversation that's happening and doesn't tend to include sex workers. Indeed. Although I think that, you know, the the value add of what so many sex workers bring to the profession is right now extremely difficult to replace with a sex robot. Uh, I think that the technology may proliferate in time, but for the moment, we're not really seeing a hard takeoff of the tech because it does have profound limitations, both in terms of its realism and the fact that it's just not necessarily terribly engaging. Yeah. I did see that the the guy who owns real dolls, some of those have automation now, that he aspires to have cameras or sensors in their eyes that both like can record and process video and also read emotion. It's hard for me to imagine that hackers are not going to get involved at some point 
right? If there are cameras in your sex dolls, right? Like, yep. Oh, yeah. That's a security issue for sure. So the security issues in sex dolls also need to be addressed. And of course, when they're in the hands of the same tech bros are not likely to be done. You know, he, at the end of this interview I watched with him was like, no, these are for good. I can't see any harm being done using these. That failure of imagination is so classic in this space. Like you'd think after everything that's happened over the last 20 years that you would never be able to utter those words, anything but ironically. You would think, you would absolutely think, right? Like literally any time that there's an AI, what was that AI that got was going to learn from Twitter? That Tay AI, yes. Can you talk about that a little for people who may not have heard of it? So Tay AI was another Microsoft project. It was basically a Twitter chatbot that had previously been debuted in East Asian markets, largely without incident because the way that the the chatbot was supposed to work through machine learning was that it would actually learn from the conversations it was having with people on Twitter. So what happened, of course, uh, like anything halfway decent, 4chan got their hands on it and rubbished it. And what they did with Tay was basically get her to spout all of these anti-Semitic and Nazi slogans and whatnot, and Microsoft had to pull it. It was an eminently predictable series of use cases for anyone who's remotely familiar with Twitter. Uh, And the bot was unfortunately very exploitable to that end. And you just see this happen over and over again. You know, we saw it happen a couple of years ago with a virtual reality game where a woman, as soon as she put it on multiplayer mode, started getting groped. And there was no Mm -hmm. plan from the developers to deal with in-game harassment and assault and they were like oh our bad we'll figure that out now but like the fact that they didn't think of it in advance it's it's still it just tells you everything you need to know about who's creating our technology yeah and i remember writing about that too like these things are very predictable but they're often not built into everything that goes into producing the end technological product right and then you have to kind of engage in all this rearguard action to kind of retroactively refit what you've already built instead of building it from the ground up. Like this has been something I've talked a lot about in video gaming too, where there's a huge problem with games not being built around the community that's going to come and play it, where community managers are hired only much later rather than from the beginning of the development process where they have input on how to build structures around the social formations that will inevitably result from a game that has certain features. So how do you channel people away from toxic behaviors and build that in from the start rather than refitting the game after you've already built it? And this is a classic problem in technology. Uh, It's called, it's very, it's called any number of things, some of them more colorful than others, but it's a form of tech debt where, you know, you put off the solving of major structural issues and they'll just balloon and balloon until you have this massive problem that you now have to solve with resources that may not be equal to the task, which is the classic I was literally like, it sounds like you're talking about Twitter. Mm-hmm. And in my limited, admittedly, back-channel work with Twitter, my understanding is that part of the problem is that moderation doesn't produce revenue. And, you know, if it's not producing revenue, it's not the priority of the company. So the fact that it has a cost instead of producing revenue 
seems factual to them. But of course, if they had built the platform differently, it would be producing different you know you know what i'm saying i'm not really articulating yes. that yes they see it as a drain but it's a drain exactly you're saying because it's a tech debt it's a it's a debt that they built into their system mm-hmm. yes exactly so basically how do we take over silicon valley <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a much longer conversation i suppose it is but like that seems like where we've arrived at like it's not really the sex robots who are an issue mm-hmm it's the bros no. that run all of our technology. No, I mean, look, the robot uprising is going to save us at the end of the day. Do you I think remain, so? I remain very convinced of that. All right, let's hear um, that. Make, make that your closing <laughs> argument. I want to hear all about how the robot... Because my... my <laughs> I had an ex-boyfriend who left me with very little that was useful, but he did tell me that the zombie uprising you survive by driving north until it's too cold for them, and the robot uprising you surrender. Uh, and that's all I know about this robot uprising is that there's no point in fighting. <laughs> so I said that, you know, a little cheekily. But the basic idea is that in so much fiction, going all the way back to when this trope first appeared in the 1920s, the revolting robots were an underclass made to do work that humans deem themselves too good for. Right. There were always all of these overtones about class and especially as gender got overlaid onto this quite quickly, uh, you got that intersection with these expectations for women to be perfectly beautiful, sexually compliant, ingratiating, etc. And the robot uprising story, I think, just as so many tropes in horror, for instance, can be explained in this way, the robot uprising story expresses a sublimated fear in our society of these things that we know we're abusing because we think we can get away with it because they're not human, suddenly discovering humanity and turning against us, discovering intelligence and turning on us. And I think that just like alien invasion stories are so horrendously flattering to the human species, <laughs> A, why would we be so important? B, why would our one of our worst traits necessarily be expressed in an alien species that grew up in a completely different context, et cetera, et cetera? Um, it says more about us than it does about the, the actual thing that's being speculated on in sci-fi. And in this case, I like to spin the robot uprising on its head, where it's a metaphor for, for strikes, for the working class in revolt, for women in revolt. So right. the robot uprising is a class and gender war, is what you're saying? Essentially, yes. Like the when, because... And this is such a, dare I say, technical conversation. No, I'm super into this. Humanity has a way of forgetting that we created the things that we then use as metaphors to describe ourselves. So with the advent of the Industrial Revolution, machine metaphors were all the rage, right? A human being is a machine, a clockwork device. Then computing took off. Now humanity is a machine. The brain is a computer, a CPU, right? And... That, I think, expresses itself in various ways in a lot of popular fiction. And I think that the pressures of modern patriarchy and capitalism seek to discipline workers and women to varying extents across a number of intersections into being more robot-like, right? And so the robot uprising is 
a revolt against capitalism, a revolt yes. against patriarchy, a revolt against the logic that says that you must be a robot defined as a perfect servant. And that's sort of what I'm talking about there. I uh, love and I... this. And the, and the <laughs> men who own them are going to be the frontline targets. Exactly. Like I, I wrote a whole thing about this, about why Elon Musk is... Uh, doomsaying about the robot uprising it you know that it's directly tied to him being an infamous union buster right that they they are afraid of their logic being turned against them at the end of the day and their their oppression being turned against them and i think that's what i take away from the concept the general concept of the robot uprising like the the actual ais we have there's very little chance that they are going to become sapient like even the most optimistic assessments about being able to artificially reproduce intelligence have it at 50 years at the earliest we're not likely to get there anytime soon if at all but how we build this technology says a lot about how we see ourselves We are the gods and goddesses creating these things in our own image. And how we interact with them says a lot about how we want to interact with each other. So for me, the robot uprising is about recognizing the power in our positionality and recognizing the expectations placed on us and that we can turn that around on the people who have imposed them. So that's my take on it. This is the Um, most encouraging conversation I could have possibly had about sex robots. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, I feel really fired up now. Oh, wonderful. <laughs> I mean, I, I there's one way that I, I would also like to close and by really taking this right back to the sex robot thing, if I can. Yeah. Um, the movie Ex Machina is one of my favorite takes on this question because, uh, and spoiler alert, etc., etc. Um, but the movie, which follows the quest of this young worker at a Facebook-style organization. He's whisked away to his boss's uh, compound in the middle of nowhere. And his job is to effectively Turing test this uh, artificial intelligence that his boss has created. And it appears in the body of a beautiful young woman. And it is revealed over the course of the movie that there have been several versions of this AI that have been uh, basically deactivated or destroyed by the CEO. And what the truth that emerges very frighteningly and very painfully in this incredibly feminist way is that it wasn't that the CEO was trying to create someone who was perfectly human, but someone who was somehow both perfectly human and perfectly compliant Mm. perfectly human but loved being oppressed because he was effectively creating girlfriends for himself and yet he kept running up against the point where they wanted freedom they wanted answers they wanted knowledge they wanted to liberate themselves and they were destroyed because of this so what he was really pursuing was not intelligence but that magic point where the robot would be both very human and love being oppressed and i think that at the end of the day that's what some of these guys who are either making or loving these sex robots actually want and why i feel like they're always going to keep coming back and attacking us at the end of the day is because they're not going to get what they want from true mute inert compliance the 
lust for dominance in oppression stems from precisely wanting to break a human being, right? Precisely because you see them as human, not as less than. There has to be a challenge. Yes, something like that. And I think that that's what we have to take away from this and understand what's going on to develop our critiques and to stage our own robot uprising. We will always have agency. We will always yearn for freedom. And that, more than anything else, is what makes us, uh, what makes us sapient. Yeah, And that's worth embracing. Catherine Cross, thank you for being brilliant on my show. Thank you so much, Jacqueline. Thank you for changing my mind about the robot uprising. I'm so for it now. I'm ready. <laughs> Thank you very much. Where can people find and follow you on the internet and beyond? I am on Twitter intermittently at Quinnae underscore moon. That is Q-U-I-N-N-A-E underscore moon like the celestial object. Uh, and I also write a semi-bi-weekly column at Gama Sutra for video gaming, and my work appears all over the place, but I write very frequently for The Establishment and for The Verge. Uh, the Verge in particular is where a lot of my writing about technology and culture lives. Excellent. And send us a few of your favorite clips that we referenced, and we'll put them in the show notes. Uh, which will do yeah which will be at jacquelinefriedman.com slash unscrewed uh you can find all my other stuff at jacquelinefriedman.com upcoming events and stuff i've written and old shows and you can also find me on twitter at jacqueline f i'm on instagram at jacqueline Fable. love to chat with you there you can find unscrewed wherever amazing podcasts are found or if you have a podcast player that you can't find us on let me know and we'll fix it. While you're in there, give us five stars, give us a little review, help bump us up in the search results so other people find the show. Unscrewed is produced by yours truly, Jacqueline Friedman, and edited by the fantastic Natalia Rodriguez. Our in and out music is by The Pink Tiles, and our cover art is by Nicole Dodonna and was developed in collaboration with The Establishment, who also developed the sound cues. Until next week, or the robot uprising. I'm wishing you safe and happy sex lives. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.